from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's podcast, Patreon episode 32, Lightning Strikes Part 1. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done an episode, and it's definitely been a longer time since I've done a Patreon episode. Um, I don't really have any excuses. I do apologize. I actually, uh, it's, it's weird how time works sometimes. I literally thought that we had just released a regular Star Joe's episode like a couple weeks ago. And then I looked recently and was like, oh my God, that was at the end of July that we released a Star Joe's episode. Um, so I'm sorry, just like time has gone by. Obviously things have been crazy. This year has been um, like, and by year, I mean last two years now, um, has just been kind of all over the place. And I know I have not gotten out very many episodes this year. I hope to make it up to you guys through the rest of this year, getting out episodes a bit more frequently. Um, I know I've made that promise in the past. All I can do is try to do a better job of getting stuff out to you guys. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, over time, it's I still love recording. I still love doing these episodes. It's, it's just... But there's been times where it just feels like... I don't want to say an obligation to do them, uh, because that's not it at all. I don't feel obligated to do the episodes, but it's just been, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of the state of the world right now. It's just, things are hard to describe right now. Um, I will tell you that it's been hard for me to even be motivated to, um, put together something to get, you know, uh, guys on for an episode and and nothing to do with them at all. Uh, I'm not saying anything negative about them at all. Um, just been tough for me to kind of get myself in gear to, to 
organize something, put something together, and get an episode out. I've been wanting to do uh, Masters of the Universe, Revelations comic review, uh, and then also an issue two came out, and I was like, wow, yeah, I meant to cover issue one before even issue two came out. I still plan on covering that. I'll probably cover issues one and two together. I'm going to try to do that soon, and then do another episode where I get a bunch of people together so we can record. Um, and for Patreon members, I noticed I haven't done a Patreon episode since like March. So I really want to apologize to you guys because you guys, you know, you give your hard-earned money. I know you work even harder for it in these current times, and I am really sorry about that. So uh, I have a whole lot of previous catalogs to get through, which allow me to talk about comics I'm reading. I have been reading a lot. Um, and I think that's been a little bit of it, too. It's just I've, I've been able to kind of do things I've wanted to do. Um, and like I said, this the, doing the podcast is not a burden. It's not an obligation or anything like that. I still enjoy doing the podcast. I, but be perfectly honest, I don't know how long I'll be doing it for. Uh, we've done it 11, almost 12 years now. And, you know, I don't intend on ending. This isn't one of those types of speeches where, like, next... Where you never hear another episode or next time you hear an episode, you know, we're wrapping things up or anything like that. I just don't realistically know how much longer I'll be doing this for. Um, I enjoy doing the shows and everything, but, you know, I'm 46 years old now. I started the, doing this podcast when I was... Uh, 35, you know, it's, it's a different, a different mindset nowadays. Um, I still love all the properties. I still love talking about them. I still love having the guys on and, and we all, you know, get to have fun and everything else. And you guys get to hear it and be part of it and everything else. Um, I just, you know, doing the podcast, doing a full-time job, trying to still, you know, have time with my wife, doing the comic book doing, um, you know, trying to just kind of enjoy life a little bit has, you know, there's just a lot of things going and there's times when I just feel burnt out. Um, believe me, there've been many, many nights where I was like, yeah, I should record something like good, just good opportunities to record something like, uh, my wife might go to bed at like nine 30 and be like, Oh, you know, tonight would be a good night for me to record something. And it just, it just didn't do it. And I, like I said, I don't have any excuses or anything like that. I feel like there's a lot of you out there that might feel the same way. I don't know uh, when, like, you could be doing something that would be, that could actually be fun even for you. Like I said, I love I love recording. I love doing these podcasts and uh, talking about stuff. But you just don't even feel like doing that fun thing. And like I said, I don't know if it's the state of the world right now. I don't know what the situation is, but. Um, I can also tell you, like, some of it, too, is just the negativity that's out there in the fandom. Um, and I know that that you start hearing it so much that it starts feeling cliched and it starts feeling like, oh, here's another person just talking about toxic fandom. But it's getting really real out there. Like, it's getting nasty out there to where it's like, like, you guys have always been awesome. You've always been very supportive and everything. But it's like... Um, there's people that just come at you for any little opinion you have because it's not the same as theirs. Um, and I will say even, even in the Star Joe's community, I have had that happen recently where it's like, okay, do I even, 
fucking do this anymore because if people are just going to come at me for stuff that, you know, then is it worth it? Um, so, uh, cause I want to, I want to do this cause I enjoy it. I want to do it because you guys enjoy it and everything else. And like, I'll give you an example recently. Recently we, uh, Chuck posted a, uh, a meme, uh, or a little cartoon thing that showed, uh, a fanboy like it was a, it was done in kind of Calvin and Hobbes style. And it was a fanboy that was like crying saying like, you ruined the property or you ruined my childhood or something like that. And just like tears going nuts. And, and it was about master universe revelations, which I will talk about in a, in a little bit. Um, and then it's kept a picture of little Kevin Smith and he's playing with some master universe toys. And he goes, I was just trying to have fun. And I think that's where my mindset is. It's like, well, we'll talk about Masters of the Universe and, and my mindset with that, but like we posted that and then people started tearing into the whole Masters of the Universe thing. And I'll, again, I'll talk about that once I start talking about the show. But then like somebody made a comment and then somebody else called them stupid for it. And you know, you guys know that I don't, we don't go for that on our page. We don't go for that on the fan page. We don't certainly don't go for it in the group page. You're not going to start doing personal attacks. You're not going to start getting nasty with people. Um, so I stepped in and said, you know, Hey, we don't talk like that here. And then I get somebody and I'm just going to call you out at this point. I don't, I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not. And at this point, I really just don't, again, I don't fucking care right now because it's not your place to, to do this. Um, but it was Mark Howd. He's been on the group page. He's been on the fan page and everything else. And him and I have butted heads when it comes to like liking something, not liking something, whatever. Um, but overall, like it, it is what it is, whatever. We can have different opinions and stuff. Um, and he's called me out a couple times that because I don't have the same opinion as somebody else, like if someone else is saying something's bad, like last Jedi or something like that, that, um, that I'm, that basically if you're not being in my sandbox of liking it, that you're wrong and you shouldn't be able to say anything. And that's just not true. Like that's not true at all. But he has accused me of that several times. No, that's not it. What I go into and say is like, Hey, can we not be so extreme with some of this shit because again it's for entertainment and everything else again that's my opinion i don't stop someone else from having a different opinion about everything else but anyway so what happened here was i said hey we don't talk like that with other people or towards other people in this group that might go in other groups we don't do it here and he says well you started it and i'm like by calling uh calling people crybabies. So number one, nobody called anybody crybabies. There's a picture that shows a fan acting ridiculous, which they were when it came to the Master Universe revelations. There's, and aside from whether you like it or not like it, that's fine. Like, you can not like it. That's, that's totally fine. But if you can't admit that there weren't people going batshit crazy about it, you're kidding yourself. 
people were losing their shit over it. Like, I mean, to the extreme. And they did the same thing with The Last Jedi. So, like, that's why I kind of bring up as an example. It's like, there's still people losing their shit over that movie, and it's years later. And I'm like, is this what we're going to face with Master Universe Revelations? But that's what that thing was about, was people... It was showing... That cartoon was uh, showing people losing their shit. And Kevin Smith basically responding by going, I was just trying to do something fun and cool. Like, which is what he was trying to do. He was a fan, and he was trying to create something he thought fans would like. You don't have to like it, but you don't have to lose your shit over it. Now, if you read that as... Us calling people crybabies, well, that's that's how you interpret it, and maybe maybe you're part of that group. I don't know, but here's the thing: he was like, "You started it, blah blah blah." I wasn't. I was tired of having these types of arguments. I just took the goddamn thing down. I told Chuck that I took it down and everything else. He was fine with it. Like he didn't want shit getting out of hand either. But here's the thing, Mark, and anyone else like that. It's not your fucking page. This isn't your podcast. This isn't your page. It's not your group. And if you don't like the fact of what stuff we post and you want to try to call me out on stuff, then get the fuck out. Because it's our page. You want to run a page somewhere where you have 10,000 people on it? You go do that and tell me how easy it is. But you're not going to come onto our page and police us and tell us how we should or should not be responding. Fuck you. You don't do that. I don't go on someone else's page and tell them how they should run it or how they should be doing things. You don't do that. It's like walking in someone's home and tell them, you know what? You're not treating your kids right. Or you know what? You're not treating your wife right. Because you're not saying nice things. Or you're saying mean things. So yeah. Now, yeah. Someone you go in someone's home and someone's beating the shit out of their wife, you should step in and everything else. That's not what we were doing. But don't come on my page. You know, and it is my page. Yes, I want it to be a community. Yes, all of you get all you people listening, I want it to be a community. I want us to have fun. I want us to have a blast. I want it to be a fun page where everyone can share their opinions, everyone can have a good time, and no one can be nasty towards each other. But at the end of the day, it's my page. If something happens, and I feel like doing it, I can shut it down or I can keep it going, whatever. But you're not going to come on my page and tell me and tell and call somebody in the group stupid and not have me do something about it. And then you're going to, then somebody else is going to step in and tell me, well, you started this shit. You did that. And here's the thing too. I am big enough of a person to admit when I have done something wrong. I have had times where someone said something to me. I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I was a real dick there. All of, all of my friends can tell you that. Like, talk to Chuck. Talk to Travis, who's been on the show. Talk to Eric, who's been on the show. Like, there's been times they've called me out on stuff. And I was like, yeah, yep, you're right. That's fine. But they don't do it publicly. They don't do it in front of everybody. And I don't do it in front of them either. You know, publicly and in, in, in to them either. I've called them out on stuff. They've called me out on stuff. But you do it privately. Don't come on my page and tell me how to run my page. 
you can now if you have fun suggestions that's a different story if like you have something you want us to do or whatever like that's totally different what i'm talking about is disciplinary type stuff and um uh, administrative type stuff and everything else like it's our page we run it the way we want to run it like john's brought stuff to my attention like hey this was posted and stuff like that i'm like yeah that looks like shit i'm gonna take that down like we work together as a team those of us that host the show together so um but i'll take 100 percent of the responsibility for it like john sees something brings to my attention i'll take it down if i get heat for it then i'll take heat for it not going to throw John under the bus or Chuck or anybody else. Like, but like I said, don't fucking come on my page and tell me that, well, you only want people that agree with your viewpoint and you want this and you're going to do that. And you called people out. So that thing was to draw attention to how ridiculous fanboys are being when it comes to stuff. They say you can not like something that's perfectly fine. I don't like a lot of shit that's out there, but that doesn't mean you start getting nasty with each other, and that sure as hell doesn't mean that you come onto our page and tell us how we're supposed to be acting. They said that it was just that pissed me off more than anything, and that's the type of stuff that I'm just like, you know what, is it even fucking worth it anymore? Because now I'm being told how to run my own page. So I think some of that stuff just started wearing on me and it made me less motivated to to do episodes. And I apologize for that. Again, taking accountability. I apologize. I feel horrible that I have not gotten any content out to you guys. So, um, so just take that for the sincerity that I mean it as I don't want to keep dwelling on it. We've talked enough in this episode already about it, but like I said, that just, we're going to talk a little bit more about toxic fandom, but I do, I guess it's a nice transition. We'll, we'll go right into the Master Universe Revelations. Um, I watched it. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, I, I understand what some people are saying, like, well, they really promoted He-Man, and he was barely in it. Well, yes and no. So, number one, yes, they did promote He-Man a lot. But it was never called He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. It was just called Masters of the Universe. The old show from the 80s was called He-Man and the Master Universe. But of course they're going to promote He-Man. Of course they're going to promote Skeletor. Those are the two names that everybody knows. So of course they're going to you know show them quite a bit. And I say yes and no because if you watch the first episode, it's a lot of He-Man and Skeletor. Like, it, it's very much focused on them. Um, and then when you go into, and then with stuff that happens, I don't want to spoil things for people, but then when you get into other stuff, um, you, we get flashbacks of stuff with He-Man and Skeletor. So every episode still had He-Man in it. So I don't know why people are losing their mind. Was there a big focus on Tila? Yeah, but it's based on the story. Like if you watch it, there's a reason that the story shifts to Tila and a gr- and it's really a group with Teela. It's not even just Teela by herself. She, like she's got a group of people. And I will say, like Orko was actually a cool ass character, and that's saying a lot for me, who did not like Orko growing up because Orko was that comedy relief character. And you guys know I've never really liked or responded to the comedy relief characters. You know the Snarf characters, the uh, T Bob, like all those characters. Like, eh. I don't, I don't need those characters. 
Um, Orko was cool as hell. Orko actually had some emotional moments going on in this thing. Like, I really liked Orko in this. Um, so, so like I said, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really well done. A um, couple things I will say, and this might be some spoilers, so if you haven't watched it, I, I feel like it's been out there long enough that it's okay to spoil, but I do want to let you guys know in advance um, that I'm spoiling. Uh, one is that, um, this isn't a spoiler, but I did feel like there was times when Mark Hamill, who was doing the voice of Skeletor, did sound a little too Jokerish, Like, he sounded a bit too much like the Joker. Now, there was other times when I thought it was awesome, and he's, like, you could t- still tell it was his voice, but he sounded like a new character. But there was definitely times where I thought he was going to say something like, Harley this, or, you know, something from the Batman animated series, because there were times when he sounded very much Joker. And I understand his voice, like, he, he is who he is, so... It's not going to have a, you know, there's many times where it's going to delve into that because he gets really into the moment or something like that. That just might naturally come out. Um, but yeah, like I said, there was times when I felt he sounded a little too much like Joker. Um, but a lot of the time, you know, he sounded perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, I love the voice talent and everything else. The other thing I didn't care for, and again, it's just to prove that like, yeah, I can love something and still have some problems with it. Um, and, and that's how it is for Last Jedi for me, too, like, to kind of go back to that. Like, I love The Last Jedi. I really enjoy it. There's problems in it, and there's things I would have done completely different. Doesn't make it complete trash for me. Maybe it does for other people, and that's fine. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. Just don't lose your shit over it. Um, so the other thing I had a problem with was the uh, Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn was amazing. I thought it was a really cool character. But you developed Evelyn all the way through, like really gave her some true growth, and we really got to know the character. And then, and she even talks about how she was always in Skeletor's shadow, and like she just was his lap dog and and whatnot. And then, at the very end, we get Skeletor coming back because um, he's he, some, something happened in the first episode caused him to be away for a while. Well, he comes back and the second he comes back, Evelyn changes sides back to Skeletor and just goes to his side again. And I was like, wow, what a waste of really growing that character and have her even talk about how she didn't like just being at his beck and call. And that's exactly what she ends up doing at the end. Now I will say this, that could all be part of the story. That could all be like leading up to that that was part of her plan and that was part of um, once she realized he came back like she was going to take this as an opportunity to to play up to him but then not actually be there for him anymore um, that's what I'm hoping for I don't know if that's what's going to happen I really hope that's what's going to happen because otherwise holy crap that to me that was just a crap the bed moment where it was just like what what did what did you just do like <laughs> You develop this character, and then also now she's back to being the same character she was at the beginning of this journey. Um, so yeah, but I, I did think the voice acting for her was amazing. Um, I liked Tila's character was awesome. Man at Arms was a badass. Like I, that's my favorite character in Master Universe to begin with, and then all of a sudden you show him in this. 
holy shit. He was am- he was the way I always wanted mass- man arms to be. So um, so that was awesome. Uh, Moss Man was very short lived. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised that we got his action figure out there in the first wave um, because he really didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> like, and I liked the character and I liked the redesign that they did for him. Um, even though he looked a, very much like a Swamp Thing uh, character, and I know he always has been, but. Um, but yeah, he, I don't know, he, he was there, he had his moment and then he was done. Um, but to me, this is like people saying like, well, this is a Tila story. It's the whole, you know, SGW thing. And like, I'm just, I'm tired of that shit already. Just because you put a female character as the lead character doesn't make it SJW. It doesn't make it, doesn't make it any of this bullshit that people want to think. Yes, if she was there and going girl power and men suck and what like even if that was implied, then I'd be on board with you. I'd be like, yeah, that's just really forced. Um, that's not what happened. This was just a cool character that like the story progression made sense for what happened with her. Um, but yeah, I I loved her character development. I thought that was done really well. I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. Um, like I said, I, I'm just tired of the toxic fandom. I, I am. I'm just... And I do see it... I, I don't want to say I see this in my friends, but I kind of see negativity happening as we get older. So, as I think most of you guys know, I try to be a very positive person. I have been all my life, and I've always tried to be that way on the show because that's who I am. Like, I've had a lot of people that have met me over the years, and they're like, wow, you're exactly how you are on the show. And that's because this is who I am. Um, But I've always tried to be positive. I always tried to look for things that I liked and the things I enjoyed. Um, And like I said, there's things I don't like, but I just, I don't spend a lot of time on them. I don't dwell on them. Um, I don't let them consume me. And I think that's what's happening nowadays is people are letting things consume them. Um, But like I said, you know, like, like with the new Star Wars trilogy and stuff like that you cannot like it that's fine but it's like it's it's been years now um you know maybe it's only been a couple years for since rise of skywalker um but for last jedi it's been like four or five years now it's like you're still riding that horse of bitching and complaining about it just don't watch it anymore like because here's the thing that blows my mind there's movies from the past that I have not liked. I don't watch them anymore. I don't talk about them. That's it. They're just, it was entertainment. I wasn't entertained. I'm moving on with my life. Um, and I get it, like, some of these properties, you know, you have more a closer connection to, so when there is something bad out there, it's harder to let, let it go. So I, I get that, but at the same time, like, hold on to the things you really enjoy. Like, obviously I've mentioned it many times, but I use it as an example. It's not something that consumes me, but I don't care for the Michael Bay Transformers movies. However, what I can pull from the positives of it is that there was some awesome Transformers stuff that come out because of those movies being so successful. I've gotten awesome comics. I've gotten awesome toys. 
Like, there was a lot of really cool stuff that came out because those movies were successful, because there was a lot of people that went and saw them. I didn't care for them. I don't watch them anymore. And other than for examples like this, I don't talk about them. Like, why? There's so much other stuff I'd rather talk about. If you don't like Masters of the Universe Revelations, that's fine. If you think it's total trash, that's fine. If you want to give that as your opinion, that's fine. But why dwell on it? Like, I actually literally had somebody, uh, to go back to Star Wars, where I actually called them out and said, Hey, for if you don't like it, that's fine, but like... But, like, the person was getting nasty with the people, and I said, can we possibly just, like, let it go and let people and that do enjoy it enjoy it? And he literally came back and said, no. Like, no, it's my personal mission to make sure that everybody hates these movies. Why is it your personal mission? What the hell does it matter if I like it and you don't? That, that blows my fucking mind that... Like, I'm not telling you you have to like it. I'll tell you why I like it. And you can tell me why you don't like it. And that's fine. And we can have a, you know, a nice debate about ideas and everything else. But, like, Jesus Christ, people get nasty as hell about this stuff. I don't get it. I really don't. And like I said, I, I don't know if it's a, an age thing. Although I've, I've seen younger people do this, too. But, like, I definitely have noticed this with my friends. As we're getting older, like I said, I'm in my mid forties right now, and I have a lot of other friends that are in their mid forties, late forties, early forties, and stuff like that, um, and even friends that are in their thirties. But I've noticed like there's some of my friends who stay positive. They try to stay positive. They try to look for the stuff that they enjoy. They just try to have a good time. You know, all this stuff's for entertainment. I have other friends who have stayed relatively the same person I've always known them to be. You know, they they you know, they like some stuff, they don't like other things and stuff like that. They were never a big positive person. They were never a big negative person. Pretty much the same person I've always known. Um and I don't want to call anyone out in any of these categories. I just don't want to do it. Um but like I said, there's just been people um, who fit these, there's three different categories. And then the third category is people that I've known that the older that they're getting, the, the more negative and the more nasty they're getting, like the more they just can't let shit go. And the more they can't, they, they don't like anything anymore. Like they literally don't like anything new. And I'm like, why are you even bothering watching anything new then? Like I've had that conversation with people. Like, why are you watching anything new? Well, I grew up with all this stuff. I'm like, okay, but the shit you grew up with is still out there. You can still enjoy it. You just obviously don't like anything new that's out there. It's like, it's like the people that say there's no new, good new comics, and I've stopped and I stopped reading comics in 2000 or whatever year they stopped reading. Let's say they stopped reading in 2000. There's no good comics out there. New comics that are out there, so I only read the old stuff. Okay, you you can stick with the statement of, like, that you only read stuff prior to 2000, that's when you stopped, and that's the stuff you enjoyed. That's perfectly fine. You can't really say that there's no good new comics out there. If, you're not, if you haven't read them in 21 years, you haven't read any comics in 21 years. 
that's fine. You don't have to read any new comics in the last 21 years. But you can't really make the statement then that there's no good comics out there. You just can't. You, you can't say that because you haven't read any of them. Um, but like I said, it's totally your. It's totally fine. It's totally your choice. Like I'm reaching a point with a lot of comics, especially with Marvel and DC ones, where I'm like, I don't like. I'm still reading a lot of them, and there's some that I'm really enjoying, and I'll talk about those in future, like previous episodes. But, but I've definitely reached a point where I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I just want to read some independent ones because I feel like they're more interesting. Like. Like, I still like reading Batman and Superman comics and Spider-Man comics and stuff like that, but I feel like I'm getting a lot of the same stuff regurgitated and everything else. Like, nothing really shocks me anymore with those. Like, okay, Batman almost got beaten within an inch of his life. He comes back, he wins. Okay, we're done. Um, and I think what it is, I'm reading, like, independent comics where I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know if the, the, char- the main character is going to make it or have a limb torn off or like, I just don't know what's going to happen. And I, and I find that exciting, um, to not know. And I think that's why I liked reading stuff like deceased and, um, injustice, uh, gods among us. So like, because they were like elseworlds tales, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so I liked reading some of the black label books because I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I think people like that. They like to not know what's going to happen. Now, there's some comics I read where I figure I know what's going to happen, but I still really enjoyed the journey. So, like, I, I talked about Joker War in the past, and I'm like, oh, I really love that. Even though I knew Batman was going to win, things were going to work out. Um, but there were status quo changes and everything else. We'll see how long they last. Um, but, yeah, so, so there's... So like I said, you you can like your stuff in the past and everything else, and and you can just wrap yourself around that and just stick with that. Um, but like I said, I've just I've just noticed a lot of people as we're getting older falling more into ne- negativity, and maybe maybe it's because life has just been beating them down over and over again. Like n- none of us know e- each other's stories. Like you guys, as much as you hear me talk, you don't really know things that are going on in my life like on a deep level even my closest friends don't necessarily know everything that's going on for me and I don't for them either um but like you said it's just I just notice more and more as I'm getting older I'm finding more and more of my friends are heading down that negative path where it's just like I don't know and, and I feel bad because I don't want them to be that way I don't I don't think they want to be that way. Um, although I, I will say, I think I know of some people who I'm not necessarily close to who I think they just do want to be that grouchy old man. Uh, and they're perfectly fine with that persona. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really need to be connected with you so much then. You're going to be that way. Um, life's too short to be having negative shit going on. Um, but yeah, just like you said, the the reaction to Masters Universe Revelation just blew my mind because I thought it was very well done. I thought it was a very good, uh, like animation wise, was good, very well done. Voice acting wise, very well done. Like you said, some issues with Mark Hamill sounding like the Joker at times, but outside of that, was very well done. I thought the story was good. Um, I'm really looking forward to the second half of it. So yeah, um, that was awesome. Uh, 
I am looking for. I saw the trailer for the new Masters of the Universe. Uh, it is. I wasn't expecting anything with it because I knew it wasn't geared towards like my age. Um, it was definitely geared towards like a new generation. But I watched the trailer. And I will say I was very impressed with it. I think it's going to be kind of fun. Now, I will go into it knowing that this is a different take on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Like, that is a given. It's a completely different take on it. Um, and if you go into it with that, I think it could be something fun for you to watch. Again, it's not made for me. It's not That one wasn't designed for the 46-year-old to watch. But it looks like it's a lot of freaking fun. Like, I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. I didn't think I would be, but um, but from what I saw in the trailer, I was like, ah, that that's a fun one. That's like a palate cleanser, Master Universe, where I'm just like, that's going to be a good time. Um, yeah, I liked what I saw there. Uh, speaking of trailers, I did watch the new Ghostbusters trailer, and I am beyond excited. Um I know one of my friends that said he's still not convinced, and I was like, really? Um, He said it just didn't feel like Ghostbusters, and I don't know how the hell that's the case. Um, So if you guys don't know, if if you're new to the channel or just never heard me talk about this before, like Ghostbusters is like my third favorite movie franchise um, or property in general. Um, Well, movie franchise, I can't say property in general because there's stuff like... G.I. Joe and Transformers, things like that, that I, I would say I probably like more. Um, but Ghostbusters, like, from a movie standpoint, there's Star Wars, there's Indiana Jones, and there's Ghostbusters. And then I'd say probably rounding out the rest of it would be, like, the Middle Earth movies and the Back to the Future movies. Like, those are probably, like, my top five. Um, and Harry Potter is probably, like, a close number six. <laughs> um, so... Which, by the way, I just did a rewatch of all the Harry Potter movies, and realized I had never watched the Deathly Hallows. So that, uh, so we're going on weird tangents here, and that's fine because it's like almost one o'clock in the morning here. Um, but I rewatched all the Harry Potter movies and realized I never had watched the Deathly Hallows movies. And I gotta say, didn't like them that much, um, especially the second one. I think it was the second one that I didn't care for as much. Um, or maybe it was, no, it may have been the first one. Like, it almost seemed like they had a, a significantly lower budget for the first Deathly Hallows movie. Um, like, there was elements I liked of it, but it just didn't, it, I don't know if it's because most of it took place outside the castle or what, it just didn't have the Harry Potter feel to it. Um, I know it was darker, I know the movies got darker, the books got darker and everything else, but I don't know, for some reason, uh, those last two just didn't appeal to me as much as the journey that led up to those. Like, I love the first five movies, is it? Yeah, five movies. But yeah, those last two, there was parts of it I liked, but overall, like, especially part one, like, I don't know, didn't resonate with me that well. Like I said, it seemed like they were working on a smaller budget or something like that, and I don't think that was the case, but who knows. Um... But we're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to just bash the shit out of it. <laughs> um, so anyways, going back to Ghostbusters, I watched the trailer for that like a hundred times. I was watching people having reactions to it. I, w- I, I love what I'm seeing right now. I was um, excited when I saw the first teaser where they just showed the 
um, Ecto-1 in the barn. Like, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna do something. And then when I saw the first, like, teaser trailer that they did, um, that, I was like, okay, I see elements in here that I like, but I'm, you know, hesitant with what they've done with Ghostbusters in the past. And even knowing the people involved, I was like, it should be good, but I'm just a little leery. Seeing this trailer, I am 100% convinced this is going to be awesome. Uh, that this is going to feel like Ghostbusters because it looks like they got it right. Like, there are horror elements in this thing that you can see. There's, like, intense moments and everything else. Because that's the thing that was always about Ghostbusters was... Ghostbusters, as I've said many times, is my favorite comedy of all time. But it, it, it's a comedy because of how they react to these intense situations. You know, you didn't have, like, like you had the terror dogs. Those terror dogs were frightening as hell. Hands coming up out of Dana Barrett's chair and grabbing her and stuff like that. Like, those are horror elements. Like, if you put a different tone to it, it was going to be horrific moments. The um, librarian at the beginning of the, of the movie, of the first movie, like, when the the... the person librarian goes through and she comes around the corner and there's the big her hair goes blowing up and stuff and her uh, there's like a white light was shining on her face and she's screaming um, that and then they go right into the Ghostbusters theme song had you done a different type of music and everything else that could have been a horror opening like that's the thing and, and that's what I'm seeing in this new trailer is there's just some awesome moments where it's like you got some really cool character moments you got some really cool like these moments where it it's like horror elements in there but how they're reacting is different um it was interesting too like people were like oh is that that gozer's arm coming up yeah that absolutely looks like gozer's arm that was coming up um it's shandor mines which you know uh, Ivan Shandor is the one that did the Dana Barrett's apartment st- structure. Um, I saw some people reacting, going, "Oh my God, it's Slimer!" That wasn't Slimer; it's a new ghost. I think his name is Munchie or Muncher. Um. So, and then it was hilarious because I saw I, I only saw one reaction video like this, but it just killed me. Like at the very end, when the phone gets picked up, uh, it's the red phone, which. The red phone was in the occult store, which the occult store was Ray Stance's store in the second Ghostbusters movie. And the red phone was in there in that. The red phone's also the red phone from the first movie, which Janine picks up when they get their first call. And that's the, you know, the Ghostbusters call. Um, so they made sure to stick with that red phone. But you get, um, it was Ray... Dane Aykroyd picking up the phone and saying we're closed, which was an awesome geek moment for me. And I actually heard someone that was doing a reaction video that watched it twice and said, it's like, well, that was Bill Murray. And I'm like, that not even close to sounding like Bill Murray. <laughs> um, so it just killed me. Bill Murray is supposed to be in the movie. Like all the original cast is supposed to be in the movie of those that are still around. Um, I don't think as far as I know, um, Louis Tully, Rick Moranis is not going to be in the movie. Although I am so hoping 
that he makes a cameo. Like, I think it'd be awesome as like an end credit scene that he just pops up because he's doing acting again. Not a lot, but he's he's done like some commercials and things like that. So, I would love it if that's like the best kept secret is that he actually pops in like as an after credit scene or something like that. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I really need the world to get better <laughs> because I need to go see this movie. And they're only showing in the theaters, which I wish that wasn't the case. Like, I really, really want to see this, but I have no desire to go into a movie theater right now. Um, that's why I have not seen the, the G.I. Joe movie. Um, I, I totally would have gone to see it. I don't care how bad people were saying it was. I still would have gone to see it. Um, I just don't want to be in a movie theater right now. Um, so I'm hoping by November, when Ghostbusters comes out, things will be better and... I'll feel more comfortable going to the movie theater. I'm vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. My wife actually got a booster shot because she is immune compromised. I just, I don't want to risk anything uh, giving something to her. Like, I don't really want it either. And, you know, because I know, like, I don't like being sick in general. Um, and I know the chances of me getting it are a lot less with the vaccine and everything else. But, like, my wife actually found out one of the medications she takes can affect the efficacy level for her, which is why she got the booster. Um, I just, you know, she's everything for me. So I just don't want to run the risk of, like, like I don't know if you've ever had to deal with this, but, like, she can't take anything when she gets sick. She can take, like, Robitussin if she has a uh, cough. And she can take Benadryl if she's not feeling well. And Benadryl is an allergy medicine, so it doesn't do anything for a cold. All it does is help her fall asleep, which sleep can definitely help someone get better. Um, but that's all she can take. She can't take anything else if she gets sick um, because of other medications that she has to take. So um, my wife just had, she has some medical things. She's had them a good portion of her life, and she had them before we even met. So... Um, I just, I don't want to just put it out there. I am perfectly fine telling people about it. I just don't want to put it out on a podcast, but, um, so I'm just extra cautious with her and, uh, and we've married almost 20 years. This September is going to be 20 years. Uh, so September 15th. Uh, so yeah, I don't, <laughs> I'd like us to go another 20 years, but, uh, like I said, I really, really want to see that in the theater. Uh, it looks amazing. I am very, very excited, but, uh, I just need, I need the world to get a little bit better and I need people to just stop being stupid with each other. Like I said, just, I'm not even talking about political stuff. That stuff's a whole mess too, but just like, can we agree somehow that if you don't like something, you're perfectly fine in stating that you're perfectly fine in talking about why you don't like it, but can we just like not be nasty towards each other? And I know it happens the other direction. I'm not saying it doesn't. I understand that people that like it get nasty sometimes with people that don't like something. It's not, it's not right either direction, but I feel like the thing that we're doing nowadays is we're, we're learning to take that anonymity that we got in through social media and everything else and bring it to the real world of because you in anonymity on social media or at least you know you'd be protected 
by being on a keyboard, not having to face the person, people would get nasty with each other. And now people are getting nasty in person too. Like, well, I got away with it online and now I'm going to get away with it in person. I just wish people could be kinder to each other. And like I said, I feel like maybe, maybe a little bit of that's what drained me and kept me from doing an episode. I don't know. Um, but I do plan on get more episodes out. In fact, for Patreon members, so this is the last Patreon uh, episode that will be free. Uh, I promised that I would do this Flash episode, uh, which I promise we're going to get to the comics. Uh, but uh, this will be the last one that's free. Uh, we've kept it free for a very long time. Uh, I appreciate the Patreon members that have stuck with us, even though their money wasn't giving them anything extra. Um I will do my best to try to get an episode out um, that's just for Patreon members this month. I know that's a tall order considering we've only got a few days left in this month, but I will try to make it happen. Uh, if it doesn't happen this month, it'll definitely happen within the first few days of September. So um, I have a lot of previous catalogs to get through with you guys. And, you know, it's fun for me to be able to talk about the comics I'm reading and tell you, you know, what my thoughts are with them and, and what's going on and things I'm excited about, things I'm looking forward to. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, the Flash episodes, uh, comics, I will insert them here and there through this year. Uh, I do want to try to get through at least half of, of these, and I'll explain why I'm only seeing half of them before the end of the year. Um if I can get through all of them before the end of the year, I will, but, uh, I definitely plan on trying to get more episodes out to everybody. So, so stay tuned for that. Um, onto the comics and the reason that you're here. So, uh, the future flash episodes will be Patreon only episodes, just like the help, uh, green lantern ones were just like the Legion of superheroes ones were. Um, so, and I'll be circling back to those, uh, characters in the future. Uh, I'm thinking about circling back to Annihilation on the Marvel side and uh, Ghost Rider, Midnight Sun stuff uh, on the Marvel side and just making those Patreon ones as well. Uh, I know I started those on the regular free channel, but I'll probably end up making those on Patreon. So, th so this way the Star Joe's ones are Star Joe's stuff um, and not just the whims of whatever I like talking about like these episodes are. So Flash uh, is my second favorite character in all of comics. Uh, Green Lantern's my number one. Flash is my number two. Green Lantern, there's, I've, I've told like why Green Lantern's my favorite many times, but the gist of it is like when I grew up watching Super Friends, I love the idea that he could create anything that his imagination could come up with. That was really cool to me. Later on, when I found out that he, you know, was tied into willpower and stuff like that, I really loved that concept. Um, there's been so much, so many other things that have built into why Green Lantern's become like has was my favorite character and has remained my favorite character. Flash for me is kind of similar in that um, I was the fastest kid in school, or at least one of the fastest kids. Um, there's a song, I can't remember the name of it, but it's an 80s song, but there's a line in it that's like, you're the fastest runner, but you're not allowed to win. Um, I actually had that happen to me in grade school when I was a kid. Um, I actually, we had, we'd have these field days and 
uh, where you would compete against your classmates and everything else. And I would get into the race competitions and stuff like that. And I won a few of them. And then I went to go enter another one. And I was actually asked by a teacher to not win it. Which was amazing to me. <laughs> like, like, we were trying to do participation trophy level sh- bullshit, like, that early on. It, it, it's just funny. It, it was, I was a very fast kid. Um, I loved... I'm still fast when it comes to a lot of things not running anymore because I've gained a lot of weight and I need to lose it. But um, and also just you know age with knees and everything else like just uh, it sucks. But anyways, um, I'll get back to where I need to be as far as weight and being able to be a bit more agile and everything like that. But um, but I'm still fast when it comes to like when I'm eating and when I'm talking and when I'm. Uh, doing a lot of things it's um i've always appreciated speed over strength um you know when you're looking at superpowers and stuff like that i I feel like someone that's fast and agile is better than someone who's strong and durable um i've also liked uh intelligence over strength and stuff like that so so yeah so it's it's one of those things where because I could identify with the flash because he was really fast. Like that's why I liked him as a kid. Um, and then again, as, as I got older, I found out like, okay, he's, you know, Barry Allen's involved in forensics. That's really cool. Um, Wally West is my favorite flash. Uh, it's just cause I was reading at the time. Um, and then like, I, then they started developing other things about the flash, like how he can think of, every scenario so he knows the right one to do and that's kind of how my brain works like i my wife will tell you like i think of all these different scenarios this happening or that happening and how to react to it like i can sit in a room and give you some of the craziest ass scenarios that i think might happen and what i would do um and that includes what people might say like if someone like in an interview if someone's i think about like what is that person going to ask me and I know typically you do do that for an interview, but I literally like come up with like 20,000. Okay. Maybe literally 20,000. is not right, but I do come up with 20,000, hundred thousand scenarios in my head of what they could possibly be asking me so that I'm ready for all of them. Um, it's helped me with my writing because I, I think of, okay, if I do this, what does that mean for this character? Where does that go? And so, so I constantly think of stuff. So that helped me with, you know, connecting to the Flash character also is when they started introducing that type of stuff as well. Um, I love time travel and alternate realities and stuff like that. And Flash was very involved in all that type of stuff. So, like, there's a lot of reasons for me to like the Flash. And typically, the Flash is a symbol. He's been that hope character. He's been that positive character. Going back to what we talked about earlier in this episode. So, um... So that's another reason I have identified with him over the years. So what we're going to be covering here for our first foray into The Flash is... um, So I plan on covering all of the issues of the Mark Wade and Jeff Johns run. So it's going to take a while. So again, I'm not planning on stopping the podcast anytime soon. Like I said, I just do question like, okay, how much longer am I going to do it for? But I want, I do want to cover, I do want to start getting into the Mark Wade run. Um, 
and he started his run with issue number 62 of The Flash in 1992, which is when I was really getting heavy into comics, so it kind of makes sense that these were some of the first issues I got, um, was his year one story. Uh, so we're going to cover all that type of stuff, and then it just happened to be good timing that when I started thinking about doing this is when a year a new year one story came out, which was done by uh, uh, Joshua Williamson and his flash run and his was in issue number 70 of that flash run um so what i plan on doing is we're going to cover the year one arcs for both titles the mark wade one only goes for four issues uh the joshua williamson one goes for six issues so we're going to cover one of each issue each episode and then when we get to um where the Mark Wade one's done, I do have some ideas of things to cover to finish off with the Joshua Williamson one. Because I thought, well, maybe I could just do one episode where we cover the last two issues of Joshua Williamson. But I've got some other ideas um, that I think will be really fun. So you'll have to come, you'll you'll have to join Patreon if you want to hear those episodes and what I'm going to be covering for those later issues. Um, but like I said, we're going to cover issue 62 tonight. And of the from 1992, and then issue 70 uh, from the Joshua Williamson run uh, from 2019. So uh, I thought about like, okay, which one do I cover first? Because the Mark Wade one is Wally West, which who was around second, <laughs> uh, and then the Joshua Williamson one is Barry Allen. Which, even though the story in Josh Williamson's run is after Barry Allen came back, this particular story is when he first got his powers and stuff. So it definitely took place before the Wally West stuff. So that's why I was like, you know, do I, like, what do I cover? You know, Um, so I'm just going chronological. I'm just going with publication date. Um, I shouldn't say chronological. Chronological will be putting Barry Allen first, but I'm going publication date. So we're going to start with the Mark Wade run, with uh, which is called Chapter One's called Thunderstruck. Uh, it is a year one story. Uh, the t- cover is says Born to Run Flash uh, Chapter One Thunderstruck. Uh, we have on the cover something we will see in the issue, which is we see Wally West getting zapped by lightning. Um, so very, very cool. Remember back in the day when you see the cover and that's kind of what happened in the issue. Um, so we open up to, uh, well, first let me go over the credits here. So we have, uh, Mark Wade is the writer. We have, uh, Greg LaRoque is the penciler. Uh, Jose, uh, Marzan Jr. is the inker. Tim Harkins is the letterer. Uh, Glenn... Whitmore is the colorist, and Brian uh, Augustine is the editor. Um, and it did say in here, in extending a uh, heartfelt flash welcome to our new writer, Mark Wade. So, like I said, this was his very first issue on this run. And I do like this whole run, like even before issue 62. Uh, I really enjoyed all the stories of Wally West leading up to this, but if you talk to anyone about definitive runs of the flash, they will steer you towards the Mark Wade run. And some 
maybe not all, but some will steer you also to uh, Jeff Johns' run. And that's I love both of those runs. I think they are both great, and they tie right into each other and everything else. So that's why I want to cover them. Uh, and this is really the heavy time that I was reading, have been reading Flash, and I've been reading them ever since. Um, like I've mentioned many times, 1990, early 1990s, like 92, 93 is when I started getting heavy into reading comics. So um, this was a perfect time for me to be picking this up. Um, so we open up with the Flash kind of mentally telling a, a, a quote-unquote joke. It's not really a joke, but he's, it's basically there's two terrorists that they're in a jail and the one says to the other, you know, um, maybe we should make a deal because, uh, and tell them where the bomb is at the airport. And, uh, you know, before we have, so we, we have enough time for, uh, before it goes off at 12 midnight and the other terrorist says, uh, I thought you said 12 noon. Well, we find out that that's a huge distinction. So even though they kind of open up with it sounding kind of like jokish, like two terrorists are in a jail, like that's literally how they open it up with. Um, we find out that's the actual situation <laughs> and that the Flash has five minutes before that bomb's going to blow up at the airport. So he goes through and he's running around. He's trying to... Uh, get people out of his way and everything else, but they can't even hear him. Uh, he's, he grabs keys and, uh, out of, uh, one security person's hands, like, uh, airport person's hands. And he's going through all the diff, all of that. He's gone through all this, uh, luggage and stuff like that. Can't find anything. He's, uh, just thinking super fast. Like, and he's got a lot of time, even though it's only five minutes because he's so fast. Like he, he mentions about him being the fastest man alive. Um, so, and he's also thinking, so we're already introducing, even though it's something that's more developed later, we're already introducing the fact that he's thinking at super speed. Also, uh, it's more called out in later years, like more recent years, but he, we do see some of it here. Then all of a sudden it, he's like, I've checked every single bag. And he's like, but did I? And then he realizes that there's lost luggage that he hasn't checked. Um, and we see right when he realizes that, that it's 11.59 and 12 seconds. Now, why there's a clock on the wall that shows seconds, I don't know. Um, it does show like a radio station that says up to the second news. So I guess that was a way of getting them to be able to show seconds in the background. So he really only had like 48 seconds before that bomb's going to go off. Um, and then we do get a nice advertisement, by the way, for the DC cards. Uh, there was 180 cards. This was the first series that they did. Um, and I remember having this whole series. I had the first series, the second series, so I, I don't have them anymore. And it's amazing. Like if you look up what these cards go for nowadays, like you could have, like, I want to say it was like five, 10 years ago. I could buy a whole pack the whole series for 20 bucks, you know, all 180 cards for 20 bucks. Now they go for like two, $300 online. I don't know why. I know card collecting has become super huge, but I was just like, and unfortunately I threw a lot of mine out. Like I just, I didn't, 
since I saw they were only selling for like 20 bucks or, or even less, I was like, it's not worth me trying to sell them. Let me, and they were just taking up room. And as much as I loved them, I was like, uh, like I had them in a binder and I was like, uh, I had tons of comic cards, like tons of them. So many different waves and everything else, man, I could kick myself now for having thrown them out. Um, I should have at least gave them to somebody, but I was, it was a weird time in my life where it was before I got back into collecting and stuff like that. Like, so, um, so anyway, so he's running around, he's going through, he's going through lost luggage and, uh, he says, isn't lost stuff always in the last place you look, which always cracks a line like that always cracks me up. Cause I always think of George Carlin. Uh, he did a, a bit on that where he's like, well, duh, it's in the last place you look, uh, you know, like, or no, maybe it wasn't George Carlin. It was actually, I think Jeff Foxworthy that mentioned, he's like, like, do you find your keys? Yeah, but I'm still looking like, <laughs> of course it's the last place you look is where you found something. You're not going to keep looking after you found what you were looking for. Um, but he's like thinking is so anyway, going back to that, he's, he's thinking is like, uh, he can now get it to the bomb squad and they can have enough time uh, to uh, still have time. And then he looks at the clock and notices that he's got, I believe my copy's a little faded, but I think he's got like eight seconds left. So he realizes he doesn't have any time. He goes racing through, he's whipping by people. And this is where he mentions like he's asking people to get out of his way, but they can't hear him. All they hear is, uh, is wind whipping by them and everything else. And it's cause he's going twice the speed of sound. Um, he races up a, um, a stairs going up to a plane and that launches him in the sky. And then he releases the bomb and the explosion happens and he's falling down. But then I don't know how he, he actually comes down on the ground and zips around with his super speed. They don't show how he came back down. <laughs> like if flash falls from a high place and hits the ground, he doesn't hit the ground running. Like they almost show it like as if he's running down a ramp or something like that, or he just like was able to like brace himself when he landed and then still run so that he didn't have the big impact on his legs. That no, <laughs> like I've seen where they've done it, where like he spins whirlwinds to, raise air that so he doesn't fall and die um and i think that's a lot more effective even if it's not realistic i mean we're dealing with a guy that runs at speed of light um so it doesn't have to be realistic but like even this was like it was a gray background with the flashes kind of swooping down from a huge fall and just racing on uh, so that was kind of weird um so now we get he uh races on and changes into Wally West so that no more attention is drawn to him. He, this is where we do get some insight. And I think this, I don't know if this was something that was established before. I'd have to look at the history to see if this was something established before, but he mentions about how when he's done racing around, he, um, gets super tired because he, he's burned so many calories and, uh, he's like, my grocery bill is beyond belief. I don't know if that's ever been talked about before this, com before these issues. Like if it, where he needed to eat a lot because 
he's burning calories. Maybe it has been. I mean, it would make sense that that's the case and that it's been addressed before. But um, I'm not 100% sure. If, if you're someone that knows for sure, like, yeah, before Mark Wade came on, that's definitely something that they did address before. Uh, I'd love to know. Um, but like I said, I really love that they called that out. Uh, he's sitting there at the airport, and he's being asked by a waitress, like, um, do you need a menu? He's like, no, nah, just bring me one of everything. And then he hears this guy in the background that says, oh, for heaven's sake. And um, Wally is like... Um, you know, I was, it was just a joke, sir. I didn't actually mean bring me one of everything. And here the person wasn't saying that about what Wally said. He was actually saying it because he can't find his own, his glasses. And here we find out it's actually Wally's grandfather just happens to be at the airport. Um, and so now we get introduced to Wally's grandfather, who is professor Ira West. Again, don't know if he was been introduced before this or not. Um, I didn't do much research. I read these issues today to be prepared for doing this recording. So I apologize. I haven't done a lot of research. Hopefully next time I can look more into these characters. Um, but Ira West, he's a professor. He, uh, is a Nobel prize winner. Some say he makes Carl Sagan sound like, uh, Charo. And so we're getting some cool, like, establishment of a character and, and understanding who he is and so on. but he does tours um doing talks and everything else is what we find out and but he's so we learn that he's so he's kind of like the absent-minded professor he's so focused on the stuff that he knows science-wise and everything else that he doesn't notice the simple things like for instance the fact that he can't find his glasses but they're right there on his face um he's already wearing them and while he points that out um, they have a talk, and um, we find out that he only lives about 12 miles away from where Wally lives, And but Wally doesn't see him very often. He eventually gets guilted into coming over for lunch one day, um, and now we move ahead to uh, Wally being over there for lunch the one day, and uh, Wally's looking through old photos that Ira has of the family, and we actually learn a lot about the history of the family. So uh, Grandpa Ira had three children. Charlotte was the oldest, and Wally feels like she always talked down to him. Then there was his dad, which is named Rudolph, and we'll, we'll find out that Wally does not get along with his parents. Like, there's lots of family drama and everything else. And then there's his Aunt Iris, and Iris uh, married... Barry Allen, as many people know. So he talks about how both Barry and him loved uh, Iris, and I don't, and obviously loved in different ways, although they make it kind of awkward and weird in, in some of the stuff that is said because it's just like it makes it sound like Wally loved his aunt um, and not in the friendship way and not in like, oh, she's just an awesome aunt. Like, they needed to work on their wording a little bit. I know what they meant. They meant like she's, he just saw her as amazing aunt that took care of him and raised him and helped raise him and everything else. Um, so then Ira, uh, comes in, grandpa Ira comes in and says, do you want some coffee? And he's like, sure, I'll take some, uh, with uh, sugar, no cream. And uncle Ira says cream, no sugar check. Uh, and he's like, that's not what I, uh, never mind. So then he starts looking through, 
photo albums and finds that uh, Iris kept everything, uh, like all news articles and everything else, of Barry being the Flash and and kept track of all that type of stuff. And he's like, well, I probably ne- I probably didn't amount to much in her thoughts and everything else because you know she's got all this stuff about Barry, but there probably isn't anything about me. Then he finds a book that says for Wally and it's got the kid flash symbol on it. And he's like, see, she's everything that I always said she was. Uh, and he talks about the best summer ever, which is when his mom and dad, because of issues going on with them, his mom asked if she would, if he would like to go live with his aunt Iris. Um, and he was all about that. He's all for it. And he's like, and not, and he says, and it'd be cool enough to live with Aunt Iris if she lived in, you know, Blue Valley, Nebraska or some other place uh, like that. But she lives in Central City, which is the home of the Flash. And Wally West is a huge fan of the Flash at this point as a kid. Um, So he gets on a bus. He sees out the window that his parents are arguing. Um, So he's glad to get out of there. The trip feels like it's taking forever. He finally meets up with his Aunt Iris. Uh, she says, how was the trip? He's like, I thought I was never going to get here. She says, how's your mother and father? He's like, same as always. And he gives a sigh. And she's like, okay, we're not going to talk about that. She's like, hey, I was thinking maybe we go to the Flash Museum. And he's like, oh, my, well, he's like, oh my God, yes, let's, let's go. Um, as they're walking there, she says, well, I do, we do have to meet up with someone first. Um, but then we, we can go there and as they're walking, all of a sudden an incident happens with the flash. Like someone says, uh, Hey, it's the flash. And they turn and see, and Iris is like, okay, I'm a reporter. I need to make a phone call about this because this is news. You stay here. Don't get into any trouble. Like don't move, just stay here. And he's like, yes, ma'am. And he's like, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Like we get his thoughts in the, in the narration boxes of like, I'm not going, I wasn't going to go anywhere. He's like, this is my hero. I'm going to watch him. This is amazing. Um, he talks about how the flash, like cut the, these, uh, diamond thieves guns and knocks them all down. But he didn't, he missed one of them. Uh, the, the flash missed one of them. And that third one, threw some jewels on the ground, which caused the flash to step on them and lose his balance and fall down hard. Um, and then the, that thief pulls a gun and he's about to shoot the flash. And while he's like, I got to do something. So he notices, uh, he's like, I learned in the summertime, uh, in the Midwest that, uh, if you, that uh, a fire hydrant has a lot of pressure built up in it. So he took a repair guy that was standing there and happened to have uh, pliers with him and like took the nozzle off the fire hose or the fire hydrant and that water goes shooting out, knocks the thief who fired his gun up into the air then and the flash was able to then take over and take all the thieves out. Uh, He thanks the kid, asks him, uh, he's, he's like, uh, and Wally tells him like, you're my hero. And he's like, not today, pal. He's like, you're my hero is what Barry tells, uh, ends up telling him. Well, the flash ends up telling Wally. Um, 
So Iris shows back up. Uh, Wally tells him the whole tells her the whole story. Um, it's funny too because in the one panel when he's talking about how they compare notes, Wally's drawn like looking like he's a little person and not like a little kid. So like the just the dimensions are a little bit off on that one particular panel. Um, then we have uh, that. Wally's going to meet Barry. Barry's late. He's got wet hair uh, from the fire hydrant, but of course he just says, oh, I, did, I took a shower. So then Iris is like, why don't you tell him about what you do? Because you work as a police officer in, in the lab and everything else. So he starts telling Wally all about it, and Wally is getting bored out of his mind. And he's like, I don't know what my Aunt Iris sees in him. Um, Iris has to then go uh, take care of some work and Barry's going to watch over Wally for a little bit and he says you know they start talking a little bit and Wally just has no interest because he's already bored with this guy and he's like well I'm actually Barry says I'm actually friends with the Flash and what time is it and he's like it's around 2 o'clock he says yeah I asked him if he could be here around two o'clock. I bet you he's in that back room waiting for you. And Wally's like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Ha ha. So Wally goes and opens the door. And as he opens the door, Barry changes into the flash really fast and goes zipping past Wally and flips the light switch on. And there is Wally's hero, the flash. And they start talking. He takes them while the flash takes Wally to Barry's lab and he's like, uh, yeah, Barry lets me use his lab when I have certain cases I need to figure out things out with. And uh, he's like, while we're here, you can ask me any questions you want. And Wally says, uh, who are you really? He says, okay, except for that one. He says, any other questions you can ask me? And Wally asks him, like, how did you get your superpowers? So then Barry explains, like, I was in a lab like this and uh, was standing near a shelf like this one with all these chemicals there some lightning came through the window struck the chemicals and those electrified chemicals gave me these superpowers and Wally's like that's amazing like I wish something like that would happen to me and the Flash is like you know sorry Wally but you know it's a billion to one chances and you know what they say lightning never strikes the same place twice and just as he says that lightning bolt comes into the window and nails the chemicals that were on the shelf there which splash all over Wally and the flash goes Wally and it says continued in two weeks so you didn't have to wait very long for this story to come out um, which is awesome but uh, there's also in the back here the official trading card of Super Bowl uh, 26 so uh that's interesting too but uh but yeah like a cool story i liked how they did it as a flashback of like wally visiting his grandpa and finding this stuff from iris and and by the way iris is dead in this at this time in this in these issues um so there was a whole story involved with that obviously she comes back she gets better however you want to look at it but um but yeah she's she's dead right now in those in those issues so um so yeah like it was very 
I like how it was done. Like he's reminiscing about his aunt and he's remembering the summer when he first came and that's the summer he got his powers. So we're getting this cool year one thing from just kind of like a flashback basically. Um, and that, like I said, I thought it was a, a cool way of doing it. Uh, definitely a good way to get introduced to the character. Like this is a, you know, they always talk about things being good jumping on point. This was a very good jumping on point. Like you could totally pick this issue up, not know anything about the Flash, and get for the most part everything you needed to know about the Flash, about Wally. Um, like it just gave you a really good story, and and you'll see in the future issues too. Like. If you got those four issues, you could keep reading The Flash from that point on. So, um, And I do think it's something that they should do every once in a while. Uh, obviously, we're going to read another issue where they do something similar. But it, it just brings you up to speed with a, a character. No pun intended. But it brings you up to speed with a character and uh, lets you know. And I know people get tired of, like, I don't need to see this origin story of Batman again. I don't need to see the origin story of how Spider-Man got bitten by the spider. But I think every once in a while, if it's done well and it's done effectively, and maybe you get a little different perspective on it, um, I think it's a very good thing. So, um, going into the next issue, this is um, issue number 70. Like I said, it came out in uh, 2019. Uh, It's a year one story of The Flash. It says his origin starts here. And we have Barry Allen with lightning coming out of his eyes, and he's sitting on top of a pile of sneakers. So, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so with this one, we have the creative team, I believe, is all the way in the back. So let me get to that first. So, yes, we had Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter are marked as storytellers. So that's done sometimes when they're collaborating, when creators are collaborating together. And, you know, you got a writer and an artist. They're both working together to tell the story um, which I know happens all the time. Like when Joel and I work on Stealth Hammer, like he's helping to tell the story too, but he's working off of a, a script. Now he makes changes to that based on how, you know, and we always discuss them, but it's like based on how he sees the page flowing and the art needing to go and everything else, there might be some, some changes that happen. And we've definitely done that where it's like, okay, this panel is going to be moved to the next page and things like that. But he's essentially working off of the flow and the story that that I wrote. And that's typically how it happens. Um, Whereas a lot of times when I'm seeing storytellers, to me, a lot of times that means that the artist had as much to say in the story as the writer did. In the sense of, like, they helped craft the story. Um, So that's kind of how I interpret that. But it could also just mean, hey, this is, you know, the writer and the artist both help tell the story equally. And that 100% is true. Like I said, just to give my real-world example, when Joel and I are working on an issue, we're doing it together. Like, I write the script, and I rewrite the script, and I rewrite the script. (laughs) Um, I just wrote issue two for Stealth Hammer, so that's why I'm, I'm just kind of fresh in my head. Like I rewrote, I wrote it once, and I rewrote it two other times, making changes and everything else. Um, and then I send it to Joel, and then Joel reads it, and he might read it and go, "You know what? This wasn't very clear for me reading it because he's reading it cold." He might be like, "This wasn't clear for me." Um, you know, 
pointing out maybe some verbiage or something like that or something that I had in a scene that wasn't very clear. And uh, and then I'm able to, to make changes to that. And then he'll start drawing stuff and he'll send me the drawings. And we've had, it not very often because he does an amazing job, but every once in a while there'll be something like, I'll be like, well, could you do this? I like what you're doing here, but could you do this instead? Um, so that happens. And, and it's a very, very collaborative effort. So could you put myself and Joel as just storytellers? Absolutely, 100%. Um, we just haven't done it that way. But yeah, we're both storytellers. I'm writing the story. He's drawing the story. So um, so it is, it is a cool way to do credits. Um, then we have Hi-Fi as the colorist. Um, that I've seen that many times. I don't know that one that well. Like I assume Hi-Fi is a company that's doing the coloring. It's not a person that goes by Hi-Fi. I could be wrong. Um, but if you, again, if you're someone out there that knows Hi-Fi as the colorist, like I feel like it should be Hi-Fi um, company or something like that that lets us know it's, it's an entity. Um, but I would love to know the person that actually did the coloring on this. That, like, unless it's just farmed out, like here you get this page and you get that page, and there's like 20 different people that worked on it, or even five different people that worked on the coloring for it. Then I kind of get it, but um, yeah, I've seen Hi-Fi several times, and like I said, I don't think it's a, a person that goes by Hi-Fi. I think it's a company. Um, then we have uh, Porter and Hi-Fi that did the cover. Uh, we have Tony and in, uh, Infanta did a variant cover, which I don't have. Uh, Andrew Marino is the associate editor. Paul Kaminsky is the editor, and Jamie S. Rich is the group editor. So, in comics nowadays, especially with the big companies, you'll—I think Robert mentioned this once before in episode—but you will have group editors. So you'll have like the Batman editor, you'll have the Superman editor, and all titles that relate to those characters fall under that editor. And then you'll have editors that are like the Justice League editor. So they might. Um, they might do the editing for Justice League, Justice League Dark, things like that, but then also they might get characters like The Flash, like other characters that would normally be in the Justice League that are not Superman and Batman. Um, so, like, there's different group editors like that, So, which I think is kind of a cool thing because then you can kind of focus on that. But I also wish that that allowed them to communicate more with other groups. So it's like, hey, what's going on in the Batman world? Oh, that's going on because we were looking to do this in Justice League, and maybe I could have let my writers know that that's what's going on. Maybe they can put something a little nod to that, so then it all feel like a cohesive universe. Just my thought. Um, but I know they're just like they're trying to just churn out books and and stories and everything else and. Um, now, I'm going to go through this. Uh, we have, uh, it says chapter one, he will be the fastest man alive. And we have this really cool page. I really love the artwork on this. Um, like the panel layouts and everything else is just beautiful. Uh, you have, uh, it looks like a window, but it also looks like a four by four panel breakout, which is really cool. Um, but we have like the flash kind of looking like a reflection in the window. We have a city, a uh, little town below. Uh, there's clouds and lightning going on. And we see off, off panel, uh, someone saying Barry or questioning Barry. And 
then we see Barry Allen as a kid standing there looking out the window. Um, he's holding some comics in his hand and we hear his mom saying, Bartholomew Henry Allen, where did you run off to? Um, and then we get that, uh, he yells down that he's in the attic. His mom comes up, says the storm has knocked out the power. They don't know how long it's going to be a blackout for. She has asked, what are you doing? She says, I'm reading some of your old comics. She's like, what made you do that? And he's like, he's like, uh, it's just the classic heroes were cool. And he's reading flash comics. Um, so he's reading stories of Jay Garrick and that plays into stories of the past where it's like to him, Jay Garrick for a long time was just a comic book character and then worlds crossed and there's the flash of two worlds where those two characters met and there's no longer just a comic book character. Um, so he's, he talks about like good beating evil and all that. Um, you know, I just find that really cool and, and much more simple and basically, and his mom's like, what's on your face? And he's like, it's nothing. He looks up and he's like, I'll be okay. And he's got like a, a kind of a shiner going on there. He got punched in the eye and she's like, uh, Barry, you should have come to your father and me if, if you're being picked on. So definitely a different relationship for Barry with his parents than Wally had with his parents. Like Wally with his parents, they were neglectful and they passed him along to his aunt and, you know, just a bad situation. Um, whereas with Barry, his parents were very caring. It's like, he should have come to us. And he's like, um, you know, if you're being picked on, well, we can help you. And he's like, Oh, they weren't coming for me. Uh, he says they were bullying some other kids and he says, I just couldn't stand there and do nothing. Right. Um, and I like that. That's again, it's like something I would identify with. Like I would come like me being picked on fine, whatever, but you come at other people. And now we have a problem. Goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this episode. Like, I don't like it when other people are picking on other people. Like, don't make it personal. Don't. There's no need for it. Um, so I, I like that with this is that you get this. Um, I get that connection with Barry now. So even though Wally is my favorite Flash, like I definitely pick up these things from Barry. Where now that I know him a little bit better, I feel a good connection with him as well. Um, and so, uh, he says, you know, uh, my heroes would never let something like, like this get them down. And, uh, his mom goes, that's my Barry, always hopeful. Whatever happens in this life, never lose that, please. And then we fade to dark and we're 15 years later and we have, Barry Allen showing up as the forensic scientist and he was running late, um, which we know starts becoming a common theme for him when he's the flash, but he's not the flash yet. He's just Barry Allen. He's a forensic scientist. Um, uh, Augustine is there. And I believe if memory serves me right with this storyline that Augustine eventually becomes Godspeed <clears throat> down the line. Again, I didn't have a chance to look this up to confirm it, but I'm, if my memory serving me right, 
uh, this Augustine, who eventually becomes a detective, even in this issue, eventually becomes Godspeed, which is a villain of sorts for the for Barry, Barry Allen Flash, and kind of not too like it, there's like good intentions there type of thing, but you know you know the road of good intentions and where that leads and all that type of stuff. So, um, so anyways, we have, uh, he's looking at the evidence, the, uh, Augustine, who's not a detective just yet is like, uh, this looks to me like it was a, uh, a mob hit where they, you know, did an execution and Barry's looking at the information. He's like, you got to look where the evidence is. You can't let it, you can't get ahead of yourself just because you're you're seeing something that you have to let the evidence lead you where it needs to go. And he actually notices that this person was shot while they were trying to run away from somebody, but it wasn't a robbery because everything is still on the person. So there's just more to kind of figure out, but he's like, whoever he was escaping from is, is the person that shot this person. Um, and... So then we get, uh, well, that's the word on, on the street. Uh, and we see Iris showing up, uh, Iris West and which again, nice connection back to the story we just read. Um, you know, she's a reporter. I love the layout here too, where we get all these like newspaper things showing up behind her. So it just shows that she's a reporter without having to tell you that she's a reporter. Just really cool thing with the artwork there. I thought that was really cool. Um, like I said, the, the layouts of this are done very, very well. Um, Iris is like, you know, uh, August says, you know, well, you know, I see you so often at these scenes, I'm starting to think that you might be a serial killer. And she's like, I'm just always chasing the story. And, uh, she feels that there's a story with Barry and Barry's like, Hey, I'm just trying to do my job. August sees that Iris has an interest in Barry, but Barry's just not wanting to pursue it right now. He's, he's just focused with his work and everything else. But, um, August really encourages him saying, you need to, pursue her. She is interested in you. Um, then we see Barry going home. He's getting distracted by stuff going on. He bumps into a guy who has a bunch of kids and, uh, he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. He's, the guy says, Oh, don't worry. Mistakes happen. And Barry's thinking to himself, you know, it's just starting to rain. And he's thinking to himself, like, I wish I had that guy's optimism and everything else. And we will find out that in the future that this particular guy who seemed to be a total side character just for Barry playing or um, to think about someone being positive or anything else we do find out that this guy plays a role in a story in the future I don't believe it happens at all in the year one story but this little bump that happens and everything else plays a role with this guy becoming somebody else in the future which I thought like that stuff I love. I love when it's just like you get this little moment and then you read the story late, uh, a later story and you're like, holy crap, this was set up months ago. I love stuff like this where people put some thought, they put something in there that seems like it should just be basic and normal, um, little side thing that doesn't mean anything and then later on they revisit it and that's what happened in this issue. So, so now we get Barry's back at his office. Uh, he's looking at, he talks about how his 
mother was killed. They blamed his father. The, the case was closed. And he's been making that his side project because he knows his dad was innocent. I think anyone that's been following The Flash on the TV show or anything like that um, knows this this part of the story of for Barry Allen. Um, so while he's looking at all that, he gets, uh, you know, his uh, director comes in, tells him, you know, I need you to process the evidence now. He gets another police officer that comes in is like, hey, can, you know, appreciate you helping me out with my brother's case um so he gets totally sidetracked he's not gonna be able to meet up with iris and he's looking at his phone and lightning's going on in the background and all of a sudden he gets zapped and it's a really cool image uh full page splash where lightning came through the the window we get like a, a the wording of crack crack uh, you know like you would not cracker like like a white person cracker <laughs> but just like a sound effect and it's done in like this lightning thing so if you weren't looking to see that there was letters in there you actually would just see it as lightning it's just done effectively well um you get all the chemicals you know vials and everything else are all splashing up all over barry he's flying through the air and you have lightning uh yellow lightning coming out of his eyes and everything else he's just knocked to the ground and you get someone uh you get august coming running in going barry and we get these little panels that are completely solid colors of red and yellow and it's the red ones say that's my barry hopeful never lose that please hopeful please and that's obviously all his mother from the past that he's remembering then we get these yellow panels that are staggered in between those that says, I'm sorry, son, your mother's gone. I murdered your mother, Barry. She's gone murdered. So that could be seen as one of two things. One, it could be seen as his dad, who we know is innocent, but it's Barry not being able to let go of the thought that he's innocent and it's two sides of Barry thinking about like what his mom said to him and that, you know, he can't let go of this case where his dad might be guilty and, you know, stuff like that. But how I read into it is, you know, you get the, I'm sorry, son and everything else, which implies the dad. How I read it though, is this is professor zoom, um, somehow like, giving him some, there's some insight that Barry has that something happened. And, uh, and while he's unconscious, like this is coming through because professor zoom knows who Barry Allen is and stuff like that. He's the, really the one that killed, you know, spoiler, but he's the one that killed Barry's mom. Um, so I could see him talking down to Barry and being like, I'm sorry, son, your mother's gone. I murdered your mother, Barry. It's Cause why would you say I murdered your mother? Barry, especially when you referred to him as son earlier. That's why I like that's why reverse flash like played in my head a little bit. Also we have it's a yellow panel. It's opposite of flash, yellow panel with red lettering versus a red panel with yellow lettering. So this is definitely all going on in Barry's head. I just we just don't know when it's happening and stuff like that, but he's he goes into a coma. Um you know, doctors were able to at least save him, but he's in a coma. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up uh, a while later, and he yells out, "No!" And uh, he knows he's sore all over. He's in a hospital. 
He goes to get up but starts to fall and he knocks his tray over, but he quickly catches everything and he's like, what the, how did I just do this? And then he's all of a sudden moving fast and he's like, um, I just want to go home and as he's saying it also he has run he's run back home um and then as he's thinking about that also he finds himself in front of central city pd he doesn't know what's happening he's, he's back in his lab and um august comes in and he's like hey no one's supposed to be in barry's lab except for and then barry you know, hears him and quickly changes into some regular clothes because he's still in his hospital outfit. And he's like, and August is like, Barry? He's like, holy crap, man, we, you know, you were in a coma for months and never thought you'd wake up. And Barry notices that August is now a detective. And he's like, August is like, yeah, I wish I could say I earned it. But he says, crime is so high right now, we just need more detectives. He's like, I'll tell Director Singh that you're back. And Barry's like, no, no, I have another case I need to work before you can tell him. Um, and Barry says himself that basically his case is himself. Um, you know, with him running around, he checks his blood. His blood seems normal, but it does have some, seems to have been energized. He knows his calorie intake is high. So we get back to taking in calories like we saw in the Mark Wade story. Um, he's able to run really fast. Uh, but when he stops the friction and everything else causes his shoes to catch on fire, he puts them out by waving his hands really quick. Um, and then he starts testing stuff out. He notices if he vibrates his hand, he can go through a, uh, a wall, but he also notices that the effects of that is that that wall can then explode. Um, he starts questioning like, are these powers dangerous? Uh, he reads through a bunch of books really fast and he's like, He's like, man, I'm, I can be the smartest man alive just reading stuff. But then he notices as quickly as he reads it is how fast it also leaves him. So uh, we've seen that with the Flash before too, where he reads something and to become an expert in it, and does whatever he needs to do in a very short period of time, and then once he's done, he kind of forgets everything that he just learned. Um, so he never it's it's that like short term memory on on like adrenaline because it's like he he can learn it all really quick but then he can lose it all just as quick so um and then he starts testing out like doing whirlwinds and stuff like that and he notices that the laws of physics still play into everything he repairs a car really quickly um but then he starts questioning about running again and he starts running but he's he's noticing that it's tougher for him to stop versus just running uh he's going through we're seeing shoes just his sneakers just piling up over and over then we find out that he takes he's like i just need some better shoes so he gets, uh takes some fireproof jackets that were donated by wayne tech uh to the central city fire department and he just fastens himself some uh some boots so he now has fireproof uh boots which will help him with the friction. And on August 28th, which when he woke up was June 15th. So now August 28th, he uh, tries to figure out what his top speed might be. And he's like, okay, let's go. He's out He's out away from the city. And he just starts running. And he's going fast. And he's like, this is fun. And he just really lets loose. And just um, all of a sudden, he, 
he hears a uh, crack a boom, which is him breaking the sound barrier and everything else, and actually keeps moving really fast. Everything goes bright white, and it's because he's gone faster than the speed of light. And he's like, "No, slow down, slow down, slow down," and he and he crashes. And uh, he looks up and he hears someone saying, "Hurry up!" And the city around him has completely changed, and it looks like. Um, you have these armies that are around, and they say King Turtle. So not the Turtle King, John. King Turtle. Not Turtle King, but King Turtle <laughs> uh, is uh, in charge of everything. He's got his soldiers out there collecting people. Um, and uh, Barry happens to notice a newspaper on the ground, and he sees that it's the future. He's like, this is a nightmare. And all of a sudden, one of the guards notices him and he says, you, what are you doing out of your shell? And uh, he's like, hey, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And the one guard's like, don't worry. We'll take uh, good care of you. And then he hears someone say, damn it, Barry, you shouldn't be here. And it goes whipping by and takes out a couple of the guards. And there standing in front of him is an older guy. And he says, uh who's dressed in a Flash-style costume. He says, we are going to learn how... Uh, when are we going to learn how dangerous time travel is? And they don't say it in this issue, but I'll tell you right now, this is older Barry. So, um, very awesome artwork, and that's where the issue ends. And it's like the next issue is going to be the man who broke the time barrier. So, very cool. I liked how they did this one where... This wasn't really a flashback, um, but we still had a little bit of a flashback. So it's this is Barry, you know, uh, kind of looking back at his time because you know you have him standing at the window there, but then we see him as a kid, and then we kind of do some jump ahead head in time where he's a kid and then he's uh, an adult as a forensic scientist, and then we have him get his power and have them test out the power. I really, I always love that because it's kind of like you shouldn't automatically know how to use your powers. And I know I did a little bit of that in my comic. Um, trust me, she has a lot more to learn, a lot more to develop, but, um, but I, I liked seeing him testing stuff out and spending, you know, time doing that. I liked, um, I really liked this issue. I, I love the whole King Turtle thing. Cause it had been so easy to do like, reverse flash um or the rogues or captain cold you know it would been easy to do that for him as his enemy versus the turtle who they do a really good job we'll see as we go on of making him a true threat um so I'm looking forward to going through the rest of this. I will tell you guys, uh, this again, this is the last time we're doing a uh, Patreon episode for free. So if you do want to hear what happens with the rest of the Flash story, you want to hear more of me going through previews and talking about comics that I've read out of there and things that are coming up that I'm excited about and things like that, you do have to join Patreon. It's $3 a month to get all the content. You can do more if you want to. I appreciate it, but... Really, $3 will get you everything that I put out there that's exclusive. I will be putting out more exclusive stuff. I feel like I really owe it to the people that have supported it through, even through the free time and everything else. I want to get more episodes out for all of you guys before the end of the year. So uh, stay tuned for more things. Um, I'm looking forward to covering more of the Flash story. 
Uh, and I really appreciate all you guys, those of you out there that have been positive, that have uh, supported the channel, uh, have shared it with people, um, have been here all along. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Again, I'm sorry that I haven't been there putting stuff out for you guys like I should be. Um, but I hope you also understand. Like I, I go through lulls sometimes where it's just... I'm not the person that I want to be uh, when that happens, but I have it's stuff I have to work through. And uh, I think we all have those moments in our lives. So uh, when it comes to the comic, just to give a quick update, I know I talked a little bit about it, but uh, I did, like I said, I did write issue two. Uh, it's gone through rewrites already. I've given it to Joel. We are looking to do a Kickstarter launch probably this fall. I have not found a publisher yet. Um, so we're just going to keep doing Kickstarters and building up an audience for it. And eventually we'll get a publisher. Um, and, uh, but I want to keep the story going. I have a lot more story to tell. I'm very excited about the second issue. I will tell you, uh, and I'll talk about it in, in future episodes when we actually launch the, the second Kickstarter and we can talk, delve into it. But second issue really kind of digs into the, uh, legacy of of my character and uh we learn a lot more about that we get a lot of really cool character moments um we got some cool imagery that should be really awesome to see um and i get to delve into some some of the characters that uh, we only saw on surface level in the first issue um get to introduce a couple new characters uh we get to introduce a new villain which is awesome uh, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think you guys will really like it. So, uh, like I said, stay tuned. I'll give you updates as we go, but that should happen this fall. And, uh, I'm trying to work on getting a, an, an amazing, uh, alt variant cover artist. I have a couple of people I've reached out to. I'm just waiting to hear something back, hopefully from one of them. Um, and if I don't hear anything back from them or they're not able to do it, then I have a few other names of some other people, but I'm trying to get somebody really, really amazing for the, uh, alternate cover. Uh, Robert did an, an incredible job for the first issue. Um, and he's told me in the past that he'd be willing to do a variant cover for every single issue, but I would like to get somebody different for, for each variant. Uh, so, uh, if that's at all possible. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll, we'll see what I'm able to come up with, but, uh, I did get to do a radio show, uh, from my local radio, uh, here in the Cleveland area, Q104. They had me on and we talked the one morning and that was really cool. So I've had some really awesome experiences. I feel like the next thing to do is to go national, like if I can get on a national radio station or a national TV news type thing or TV thing or whatever. Um, like I'm sure there's things in between the local stuff I've done and national stuff, but I just feel like, Oh, maybe that's the next thing I try to do. Um, and it's all really to draw attention to this story that we want to tell. So, um, I am not a media hound. I don't need the spotlight on me. I want the spotlight on the story that we're trying to tell. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been exciting and I appreciate all the support, um, that it's gotten. I hope, hopefully people like, did like the issue and hopefully people come back for issue two. So, 
Uh, with that said, we're going to go ahead and close because it's already past 2 o'clock in the morning and I need to get some sleep. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Hey, guys. I know I just ended the episode. Uh, for me, it was a few days ago. For you guys, it was like a second ago. But uh, I wanted to record this last bit to put on to the episode real quick. Uh, it is now August 31st. At least I recorded the other part just a few days ago. Um, and I was hoping to get it out like the next day or so, but you know, life just gets in the way sometimes of that happening. So I edited everything today and then sat down this evening because I didn't realize that Snake Eyes was available uh, for digital streaming. Um, and it's not one that I felt like, oh, I need to have a hard copy of it or anything like that. Um, but I wanted to see the movie. You know, I, I really did genuinely want to see it. Um, I had heard some okay things about it. I heard some negative things about it, of course, and, and everything. But I wanted to be able to judge for myself. Uh, and since I, I literally just a few minutes ago finished watching it, uh, I wanted to give you guys my impression of it. So um, it is a good overall movie. Um, so I will give it that. Like, it's a good action movie. If you want to watch some cool martial arts fighting and everything else, it's a bit over the top, of course. Um, you know, like, they're taking on 20, 40 guys at one time. Um, and it just seems like sometimes they just bum rush the whole group and people go flying and everything else. So it... If you like, like, 90s-style action movies or even 80s-style action movies, like, this fits right in with, with that type of stuff. So, um, you have to be in the mood for that type of stuff. And, like, I, those are the type of movies I grew up with and loved watching. So, um, so for me, it was a, a lot of fun. I, I can see people being very critical of it for that reason and just being like, you know, the fights were unrealistic, the choreography, blah, blah, blah. To me, it all kind of fit, like, because it was a, a consistent style all the way through. So it was kind of like that's what they were going for all the way through. It wasn't like, you know, because you, you, sometimes you'll see stuff in a movie where it's like, well, they did it this way this time and this way that time. I will say the one thing that was a little inconsistent was when Snake Eyes himself, um, there was times when it seemed like he was very good at fighting and other times when he didn't seem very good. Um, and it would have been nice to maybe see some of the training, um, that he was actually doing at the location that he was at. Uh, but like I said, it, it, if it was like he gradually got better, that would be one thing. But it was like you said, certain times when he would be really good. And then there's other times when he wouldn't be, and it wasn't like a progression type of thing. So, um, but like I said, if, if, if you can accept that type of action movie, you'll have a really good time watching this. And, and I did have a really good time watching this movie. Uh, I will say I actually probably enjoyed this more than the other two G.I. Joe movies. I haven't watched the other two in a while. Um, but as far as just, like, maybe level of quality of film, I, I think it was a, a better, like, action-type movie. Um, was it a good G.I. Joe movie? There are elements, I, this is what I will say, there are elements in it 
that made it a better G.I. Joe movie than what I expected. Like, I expected, if you guys have heard early episodes, I expected it to be a good action movie, but not necessarily a good G.I. Joe movie. And that there might just be, like, little things thrown in that are G.I. Joe elements. And that's kind of true and kind of not. Like, they're watching the movie really closely, and I, and I was. I was, like, I was not on my phone or anything like that. Like, while I was watching it, I was looking for that G.I. Joe feel and the G.I. Joe elements. And there are moments in there where you get that. So, like, um, there's moments with, especially with Scarlet, like, when Scarlet comes on the scene, I would have liked to have seen more with her and kind of seen her woven into the story a bit more because she does just kind of, like, get plopped in at key moments. Um, I like the actress they got for her. I thought she did a good job. Um, but, and like, so when she was on the scene, it seemed like, okay, that's when it kind of felt more like G.I. Joe. Um, and not just cause it was Scarlet, but just like what she brought with her felt more G.I. Joe. Um, uh, they did have her in her costume at one point and that was, you know, and it's the G.I. Joe classified looking costume a bit. So, um, but I thought it looked fine. It, it looked totally fine to me. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, she used her crossbow and, and all that. So they said there was things like that there. I was like, okay, that, that feels like G.I. Joe. Um, the Baroness. Um, let's see. I saw hints of what could have been good, but I think that the part that was, again, maybe like Scarlet, the parts that were created for her, she wasn't woven into the story enough. And wasn't as strong of a character as I thought she could be. Um, the actor, and that might have something to do with the actress, because I, I wasn't totally feeling the actress. Um, now I don't need her to be like, oh, darling, and you know, all the you know the the eighties cartoon version of Baroness. I don't need that. But they do refer to her as being like this high rank in Cobra, and if. To be that, I, w- I would have expected her to be more commanding when she walks into the room. And, and there was, like, a, a scene where I felt like that happened. Um, but outside of that, she kind of came across as, like, a fish out of water at, at certain points. And that's where it felt less like the Baroness. It, fe- it felt like just another character or another, you know, maybe another Cobra agent or something like that. It didn't feel like the Baroness. Uh, like I said, there was one scene where I felt like, okay, that felt like the Baroness. That felt like, you know, what I would expect. Um, the other complaint I would have, and not to dwell on the negative stuff, but um, the one complaint I would have is uh, the character of Snake Eyes. Um, number one, they did change him very much from who he was in the in the comics and what we know of him and everything else. Um, like drastic change uh, of that character. And I'm not talking about his race or anything like that. I'm talking about like just origin of him and, and everything else. Like, and I realize we never really had much of an origin for him, but like this just felt like a big departure from what we knew. Um, the thing I had a problem with was more so the growth of the character and also the fact that 
he's not really quote unquote snake eyes until like the very end of the movie and even then he's really not so they they never have him grow really as a character like he starts off wanting a revenge and then at the very 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 end he's no longer about revenge um because even when he's having a chance to get revenge um he basically shifts what who his revenge is with um at least that's how it came across um i don't think that's what the the creators were going for but that's really what came across as and it just it felt like oh he's he's building this bond he's building this growth with these people and he's understanding what he's involved in and then he would do a 180 from that um so so yeah he he becomes like an unlikable character often um uh, storm shadow is actually a likable character all the way through up until the very end and then at the very end he does a like a 180 explosion and everything else which seemed just kind of out of character for this character that they built in the in the movie so um so just like the inconsistencies of, of like these two main characters uh to kind of get them where they wanted them to be at the end and then like at the end they show like at no point is uh, snake eyes in his suit and armor thing until the very very end like i'm talking about the very 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 end and then the credits start and the credits were like very abrupt like all of a sudden boom credits and it was just like whoa shit we're not even like seeing him drive off into the sunset before we're getting credits um like he literally starts to drive and boom you got these credits and the credits are wacky um they're like like if you have epileptic seizures at all from flashing lights and everything else do not watch the credits of this thing um they were just all over the place uh and then you you do have like a after a few credits you get uh, a, a sort of end credit scene like it's not at the end of the credits i guess a mid credit scene um that you know it's it just is to continue the the story of what they did in this and everything else so the other th- now one of the things i really liked was i felt like they were building up this mythos and the and of who cobra is and and everything else like they were Cobra was kind of on this tertiary thing that kept popping up and everything else and I actually really liked that because I don't need Cobra to be the big bad in this I wanted them to be like just whispers of them and and that they were really working behind the scenes of things and everything else and and you really do get that in this movie so I liked that and that's where it felt like it was GI Joe um you know you get the name drops and and everything else that happen and you're just like okay um Larry Hama's in it he does a little walk on cameo type scene he's it's very obvious to, that you see him and like you don't really have to be looking looking for him in fact if you miss him I'd be shocked if you know what Larry Hama looks like you're like you really aren't going to really shouldn't miss him unless you're not looking at the TV screen at the time um but like like I said there so I like the elements of the uh of Cobra being interlaced in there. Like I said there was a moment where Baroness felt like Baroness. There was moments where it did feel like GI Joe, like so especially when Scarlet was on the scene it started having this more GI Joe feel to it. Um 
and I think I would just would have liked more of that. Um, the mysticism stuff was a little over the top, but we got that sometimes in the G.I. Joe cartoon. So, like, there was an element, and this is a, a total spoiler here, so if you've not seen it, I, I apologize, I, I'm kind of giving a lot of stuff away, but uh, definitely spoilers right here. Um, there's these giant snakes. And at first I was like, oh, Jesus is like going way over the top. But then I was like, you know what? I've seen way crazier in the G.I. Joe cartoon. Um, so it didn't, it bothered me less once I thought about that and realized that and everything. Um, but I also could have done without it. And it was very obvious later on, like that, that element was going to be used again. Um, you know, the, the foreshadowing of it was extremely heavy. Um, but like I said, overall it was a good action movie. I had fun watching it. Would I watch it again? Yes. Um, Oh, I liked the hard master and the blind master. I thought both of them were really good. Uh, really cool characters. I thought they were done well. Um, so that also felt like GI Joe to me because you know, that element of GI Joe with those characters, um, you know, so that, you know, I liked that part, uh, in particular, like I said, if I'm looking at this as a G.I. Joe movie, like that stuff and some of the other things I've already mentioned definitely felt more like G.I. Joe than I was expecting. I was literally expecting to see like a Cobra symbol here and there, a character named the Baroness, a character named Scarlet and like, and a few little things like Easter egg things dropped in here and there. And definitely got more than that. So, um, so as a, an action movie, like if I'm giving it like a rating out of 10 as an action movie, I'd give it like an eight out of 10. Um, maybe a seven and a half out of 10, somewhere around there. Like it's an enjoyable action movie. Like I would sit and watch it again. Um, which, like I said, it's where the older G.I. Joe movies is like, I've seen them both a couple times and like, kind of like, that's enough for me. Um, this one, I, I, you know, if it was, if it was on TV or I, I have it now, like I could see popping it on again, watching it again. Um, if I'm just in the mood for a good action movie, um, as a G.I. Joe movie, six out of 10, like five out of 10, maybe around like middle of the road. Like, it had elements, and it definitely had some promise to it. It just... I do think that they took what they had as uh, an idea for an action movie or a script for an action movie and turned it into this G.I. Joe movie. Like, I, I, this really didn't feel like this was the movie... This was 100% made to be a G.I. Joe movie from the get-go, like, from the very beginning this a lot of the elements that I was seeing and everything else I was like this looks like they were making an action movie or had ideas for an action movie and then decided to put G.I. Joe on it to help help it sell better and then adjusted the script and everything else to fit that that's really what this did feel like that doesn't necessarily mean it made it a bad movie like I said it was a fun action movie but I don't feel like it started off as being a G.I. Joe movie, which is why, like I said, probably a 5 out of 10 for G.I. Joe um, as a G.I. quote-unquote G.I. Joe movie. Like, I think there's going to be 
moments in it that you're going to be like my, myself, I think, where you'll be like, yeah, that felt like G.I. Joe, this, you know, I, I can see that here and there and everything else. Um, and then, like I said, the mysticism, they could have cut back on that, like even this, there's a stone that's, you know, you're... Um, I'm blanking on the name of it, but basically it's the thing you're going after. There's a term for it, and I'm totally blanking because it's late. <laughs> but basically, um, you know, it, it was a little bit more more to it than it needed to be. Like, they they gave it, like, powers and everything else, and I'm like, it could have been just enough that it was, like, a symbol and that it, it could be used as a a power source for a weapon or something like that. Like the, that's why Cobra wanted it, but they actually made it like a weapon just being a stone and holding it. And that felt a little over the top too. Um, so like I said, some of that mysticism stuff with, you know, the giant snakes and this magic stone and stuff like that, like probably could have done without that, but it didn't, destroy me sitting there and having a good time watching the movie. So they said eh, probably like seven and a half out of ten just enjoying it as an action movie that's over the top. You can totally do that. I get why some people will not like this movie and I get why some people are just, you know, upset with it and everything else. Um, because, again, it didn't feel like this started off as a G.I. Joe movie. Uh, but like I said, it's a, it's a good time. I I think it's worth watching as a Joe fan just for the fun of it, but you you got to go into it with that type of expectation. Just like it's a popcorn movie, I'm gonna sit there and turn my brain off and just enjoy it. If you're gonna go into it like I'm a diehard GI Joe fan, and if this if this doesn't meet my expectations, I'm gonna hate it. Well, then don't watch it because it's not gonna meet your expectations for that. Um, so. Uh, I, I think, in all honesty, I think it, 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 if we're going to get a good G.I. Joe movie, I think they need to go back to the drawing board. Uh, again, unfortunately. Um, I feel like, honestly, I feel like they've done it three times already, and they haven't gotten it totally right yet for a G.I. Joe movie. Like I said, I did enjoy this movie. I did have fun watching it. I would watch it again. Um, but as an action movie, not as a G.I. Joe movie. So, and that was kind of what I was expecting too. Uh, so, so that's, that's essentially my review of it. Uh, I, I think that they need to get people working on this or listen to people, uh, have people on staff that, um, or someone that works on the script, but have at least at the very least have people on staff that steer you towards it being a GI Joe movie. Um, there is so many ways you can do a good G.I. Joe movie. Um, I like the idea of kind of recruiting people and, and you know, building a team and stuff as a, as a countermeasure to this Cobra unit that's out there. I liked what they did in this movie where it was like the Joe team is, is out there and it's been out there for a while. Um, I liked that element and uh, that we just didn't really know of them being out there. Um, and I guess that wasn't hit on totally. Cause at the end I was realizing too, like Scarlet mentions, Oh, like your dad was a Joe. And, um, 
and as if that means something to anybody. Like they haven't, they didn't really establish that there's a GI Joe team or what a GI Joe team is or anything like that that I can remember in the movie. So yeah, that felt kind of out of place at the end too. Again, I just finished watching it, so like a lot of the stuff is analyzing in my head as I think more about it. Um, but I I like the idea of kind of what they were establishing there as far as like there's been a Joe team for a while because there's been this Cobra unit out there for a while and their counter-terrorist unit and everything else. So I like that element being out there. Um, I wish the one guy that we saw in there that played a role into Snake Eyes Vengeance, I wish he had been somebody like Crystal Ball or... Um, Dr. Mindbender or something like that. I think that could have worked, and he had a look for that. So, um, see, so yeah, like I said, that that's that, and that plays more into the whole. Like, I don't think this was a GI Joe movie to, idea to start with. I think it started off as a action movie idea, and they're like, we need something to kind of bring in an audience besides just a martial arts action movie, and. Uh, yeah, I think we need we need somebody to just start doing it as here's we're going to do a GI Joe movie. Here's the idea, the concept for the script. We're going to build the script. We're going to build these characters. Like you don't need a whole big unit to start with. You can grow in future movies and everything else. Um, you can start small or whatever, but we you need to start with that. And then you also need to not take your most popular character of the, of the franchise and completely change who he is. Like, again, spoilers, at the end he is still talking. You still see his face. Um, like, the some of these core things about Snake Eyes are still not there by the end. And they should have been. Like, I would have been fine with a lot of this change that they made if by the end we had our, you know, our snake eyes, we didn't. Um, so, so like I said, uh, had a good time watching it. Uh, I don't know what else I can say, uh, other than, like I said, if, if you are looking for a good action movie, just some popcorn movie to sit back and watch it, you'll have a good time watching it. If you're, uh, looking for a diehard GI Joe movie, or even a high-level G.I. Joe movie, this ain't it. And um, and I think you might be disappointed, and you might be one of those people that turns into the toxic fan that I was talking about earlier. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my review of Snake Eyes. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm actually glad I watched it, because, like I said, I did have fun watching it overall. Uh, I don't regret watching it like I have with some other movies in the past. Uh, and one of them kind of being a G.I. Joe movie. Um, the first G.I. Joe movie that came out, like, I don't want to say I regret watching it, but there was a lot of elements in that one where I was like, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> um, the second one was a lot better. Um, still had a lot of things in it that I was like, mm. uh, And then, like I said, this one, I feel like if you pulled some of the elements from all three movies, you could have a good G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, uh, the other thing I wanted to do, cause I kept forgetting to do it and I apologize Travis for not doing this. Uh, he, our buddy Travis, uncle T who's been on the show many times, 
Uh, he has his own podcast, and every time I'm doing an episode here, I keep meaning to uh, mention it to you guys. And he, he never asked me to or anything like that. I just told him I wanted to. Um, but it's called TB Toycast, and there's a new episode out every Thursday. Uh, they cover toys. Uh, and it's called TV Toycast because it's Travis and Brian. And also, Brian's also known as Breaker. And uh, they, especially if you like wrestling toys, they talk about wrestling toys a lot because they're both very heavy into wrestling figures through their whole life. Um, I've, I'm not a, a wrestling figure fan. I loved uh, WWF in the 80s. And then in the 90s, I just, you know, even late eighties, I just kind of stopped watching wrestling. Um, no particular reason. I like, I'm not against wrestling. I, some, if you love wrestling, that's great. You know, that's, that's your thing. I just kind of fell out of it and just never went back to it. Uh, I know people like John, uh, who have gotten way back into wrestling. So, and, and I have a lot of friends that are way into wrestling. It's just not my thing. I've got so many, I've got a lot of, a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things going on. And, uh, yeah, don't, I don't need another one. So, um, so I'm fine with not being into wrestling. Uh, but like I said, if you like wrestling and you like wrestling figures and stuff like that, I would definitely listen to TV Toycast. Even if you're not still listen, because I don't, I, I'm not, and I enjoy the episodes it's not all about wrestling. So just let you know, they, they pick a toy line, every single episode that they have as their main event. And they, uh, they talk about, you know, that the, a lot of times it's like the first wave or, you know, they're, they're going through waves of certain toy lines. So Travis always pick, you know, breaker always gives him Travis three choices of a toy lot of different toy lines are out there. And Travis decides what the next episode is that they're going to do out of those three toy lines. Um, and then the next episode, they cover that toy line and they, like I said, they've done first wave of GI Joe. They've done first wave of masses of the universe. They've done, uh, super friends. They've done, uh, the first wave of X-Men figures. Like, and then they've done some obscure ones like, um, I think they did uh, primal rage or they at least talked about primal rage. Uh, but I think they did a whole episode on Primal Rage, and then they did um, Battle Trolls, which I had never even heard of before, but it was a very interesting episode. Uh, they talked about Viewmaster for for an episode, which that was a lot of fun too. So, uh, they like I said, every Thursday a new episode comes out. They talk about uh, toy news that's out there that excites them. So it, it might not necessarily be all the you know keeping up to date on all the toy news, but they talk about the things that have caught their eye that they're excited about and then they talk about you know what they have found in the aisles so like did they buy a certain toy that week uh or did they just see something in the aisles that they were excited to see they may not have bought it um but yeah so they they talk about that too they do icebreakers so they'll one of them will ask another one a question like hey have you ever um found out that something that you had like skyrocketed in price uh, and you were shocked, uh, you know, so things like that. Um, I can't remember if that was an exact example, but close to something that, that they covered one time. Um, but yeah, it, like it, if you guys love toy talk, you should definitely go and listen to them. Like I said, just be ready that there's going to be a lot, 
of wrestling figure talk, uh, wrestling action figure talk, because that's what they're into. They're also really into Masters of the Universe, so you're going to hear some of, a lot of that too. Um, but I have a, I've had a good time listening to every single episode. Uh, I've mentioned many times I don't have time for a lot of podcasts anymore. But I've been listening to TV Toycast because I'm actually enjoying it. So uh, I know Travis is a friend, but that doesn't mean that I have to listen to every episode. I listen to every episode because I'm enjoying it. So, um, so yeah, definitely give them a, a, a shot and see if you like it. Um, but with that, uh, this t- <laughs> this time I will officially close again with the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.